With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Good Calls with Dean Blandino, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, what's up? This is Dean Blandino, and this is Good Calls. As always, joining me, Travis Hansen. What's happening, man? And Joe Madrid, the audio guy. Thank you for mentioning the, audio? the audio guy. Joe, Appreciate the music it. sounds amazing. I love our intro music. But we got a great show, a lot of things to talk about. We got a couple of games, some crazy NFL games. Travis, you have something to ask me? There's a lot of good football on this weekend that went on this weekend. But, uh, Dean, how was your weekend? Oh, thanks. That was very You know what? Let me cup. stop you really quick. I want to talk about my weekend. No, not about the weekend. I... I read something from Mike Florio. Are we all packing up and going to the NFL? Does he know we're a package deal these days? Or do you want to? Talk I about don't that? think he knows that it, this is a package deal. But obviously, yes, pro football talk, and and Mike Florio has has mentioned me in the past. Look, that is that is a difficult job. And when I was in that position, there were people calling for me to go and for other people to replace me. So this is not unusual. Uh, I love what I'm doing. I love the podcast, and uh, and I want to stay here with you guys, and we're going to keep doing the podcast, but I don't know if if I do go into another venture, uh, I don't know if you guys are always going to come with me, but let's just let's just focus on the present, okay? Let's focus let's on the present. Let's cut the show. Cut it right now. Cut it here. And let's get <laughs> into, Travis asked how my weekend was. My weekend was really good, <laughs> but I want to just share Something that I read, and this, this, I want to call this segment the news story you didn't know you needed until now. And, and someone sent this to me, and this is from Weatherford, Texas. And, uh, and a Texas man ended up in jail, even though there was no warrant for his arrest. So according to KTVT, Billy Bob Hall, which great name, right? Billy Bob Hall. He thought there was a warrant for his arrest for parole violation. So he went to the local jail and turned himself in. Before he turned himself in, he needed to get the courage up to turn himself in. So he had a couple of beers. So liquid he drank courage. He drank the liquid courage. He drank <laughs> about seven Budweiser's. And then when he went in, they they were like, you, we don't have a warrant for your arrest, but you're drunk, you're intoxicated, and you're a danger to the public and yourself. So they arrested him anyway. So 
that to me is, you know, he must have had a guilty conscience because to just to just turn yourself in when there's no warrant and then end up getting arrested, that to me, that's that's the news story you didn't know you needed until now. I want to find out why he or what he thought he did that he needed to turn himself in. Exactly. That's what I want to know. But Billy Bob spent the night in jail and uh, and he didn't have to. But moving on, let's I got a tweet from Terry Fisher and, and she asked, she said, your new podcast is great, but please keep the college football out of it. Just here for NFL, I have to fast forward through it or stop listening. Now, we didn't want to lose Terry, so I responded. Here's the deal, Terry and everybody else listening. We're going to focus on NFL, especially during football season. NFL is where where we're going to, you know, that's our bread and butter. But if there is something significant in the college game, we can't ignore it. So we're going to talk about it. But we'll always start with NFL. And uh, I responded to Terry, and she said that she appreciated the response, and she was going to write a five-star review on iTunes. All right. Thanks, Terry. Tell your friends. So, So thank you, Terry. Let's get into the NFL. I want to put offensive holding to bed. Obviously, this was a big topic of discussion the first two weeks. Holding numbers were through the roof. League had a conference call with all 17 referees prior to Sunday's games, week three. So Saturday night, holding went down in week three, holding down again week four through 14 games. This is unofficial, but we're right about 3.7 per game, which is more in line with where those numbers are historically. So we're going to put the offensive holding controversy of 2009 to bet. I don't want to talk about holding anymore. Again, we have okay. to thank Tom Brady. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Thanks, Tom. Tom. Anything Thanks. else did you don't Tom like tweet, about the rules of the league, just, just throw it out, throw there. out there. Did Tom tweet anything this week? Do we need to check? Travis, you're in charge of checking Tom's Twitter page. I haven't we have checked to make it yet. sure. You're in charge of, okay, who who are the guys we need to double check? Tom. Okay. AB is just <laughs> tweeting I mean, he's going at it with Eric Weddle. He's going at it with Baker Mayfield. So you're in charge of tracking Twitter and social media, AB, TB12, and uh, and I'm sure there'll be some others that pop up. But Travis, that's your job. Thursday night, DPI review. Packers coach Matt LaFleur quoted after the game as saying, I don't know what pass interference is anymore. And that's the... That's the kiss of death. I remember during the catch-no-catch controversies from previous years where people were saying, I don't know what a catch is anymore. So now coaches don't know what pass interference is anymore. And uh, and there were some other tweets that uh, I think, Travis, you came across. And Tony Dungy's been pretty critical. This uh, is two weeks in yeah, a row. We're two talking, weeks in so a row. So we're going to add him to that list of, of Twitter follows. And he said he was critical of the officials again. He said, quote, do our NFL officials even know what pass interference is anymore? That was an easy, obvious call. How could the on-field officials not call that, end quote? And, and I think that's a, it's an interesting point because with pass interference now being reviewable, we are focusing on the reviewable aspect of it. And is it a foul in replay? But I think, I think Coach Dungy is getting to the root of the problem. If we think there's a problem with pass interference, well, where does that start? It starts with on the field. It starts with the officials on the field being consistent. And I think that's one of the problems with this rules change. This rules change doesn't doesn't make pass interference any more clear or any more consistent on the field. It just, in theory, it's supposed to prevent Saints-Rams from happening, prevent the egregious mistake from happening, but it doesn't make the officials any more consistent on the field. But what it really does is it shines a spotlight on how subjective pass interference is. Because in that game, 
in the Packers-Eagles game Thursday night, there were four calls involving pass interference that were talked about. The Eagles had a touchdown initially called back, a touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey called back for pass interference on Zach Ertz, went to review, picked up in replay, touchdown then counted. Then Green Bay lost a challenge in the third quarter where it looked like Valdez Scantling was clearly interfered with contact before the ball arrived, call on the field stood, and I think that's where Coach LaFleur was frustrated. And then the, the Eagles lost a challenge later in the third quarter when Jeffrey it looked like there was contact early. That is, his left hand, I believe, was contacted early, and he couldn't make a play on the ball. But that call stood. And uh, not as clear, I, I, I didn't think it was as clear as the Green Bay challenge, but it was close. And then you get the interception at the end of the game where Eagles make what looks like a good play. Craig James, who had just came into the game, contact, again, Valdez Scantling, ball knocked in the air, the Eagles pick it off. And what are we talking about? We're not talking about the great play a la the Patriots against the Seahawks at the goal line. We're talking about, hey, was that pass interference? Right. Should, have that, should have that been reviewed and, uh, and, and again, this is, and I've said this before, and you guys make fun of me, this is the world we're in right now. And, uh, and it really does shine a light on past interference. Um, and I think that this is going to be something that we look at all year. The league sent out a tape this week to the clubs. They shared it with the media. Through three weeks, there were 25 reviews. The league showed all 25 reviews involving pass interference. And I don't think people I talked to around the league, club people, the consensus was that this tape didn't really shed any light on on the process. What they really talked about was if the call on the field was not overturned, they basically said there wasn't clear, clear and obvious evidence that the contact significantly hindered the receiver or the opponent if it was a defender ability to make a play on the ball and if the contact um if the call was overturned and pass inference was created they said that it was clear and obvious that the contact significantly hindered the opponent and uh clear and obvious to who well exactly and again this is a very subjective call this is a one-year change very rarely does the league put in a, a rule for one year that that does not get extended, but but I feel like this rule, the way it's going, this could be like that that five star recruit that goes to Duke and plays basketball. This could be a one and done. Mm. You like that analogy? I do. Joe. That was good. That was really good. You really like that. Joe's it's a good like, call. Joe's laughing over there, but um, <laughs> just make sure the audio levels are correct. <laughs> Got it, boss. Kansas City, Detroit, dude. Wow, dude. Seriously. What that game? Why is Detroit always involved in these calls? All I want to say is all the hard work that I put in for almost two years to make up with Detroit went down the drain on Sunday. And I have to think your guys at the Detroit Lions podcast have reached out to you to, I, to get I you on. I literally this week. now have to go back and rebuild what had been broken down and then had been built up again. Now it's broken down again. One game. One game. The third quarter was bananas. Okay, the third quarter. Let's just start with with 12, 12.20 to go in the third quarter. Kenny Galladay catches what looks like a touchdown, ruled a touchdown on the field, and goes to review, and it's overturned to incomplete. And you had two officials on the play. One was signaling incomplete. One ruled a catch. Eventually, they ruled catch on the field. Receiver going to the ground. Galladay was going to the ground. The ground can still cause an incomplete pass. 
Okay, I want to make sure everybody understands that. We changed the catch rule two years ago. Everybody said, oh, well, surviving the ground is out. No, surviving the ground is not out. The change basically said if you can perform an act common to the game, that would supersede surviving the ground. But if you don't perform an act common to the game, reaching the ball out for the goal line or the line to gain, and you lose the ball when you hit the ground, it's incomplete. I thought he lost control. I thought it was questionable as to whether he ever had control, but I thought he lost control when he hit the ground. The league agreed. They overturned it, and uh, and the Detroit fans' hate for Dean Blandino <laughs> started. Um, like as if it's your fault. You have no, you have nothing to do with the league anymore. But that, that's so. There's all kinds of chatter on Twitter about the call being DPI as well. So they're looking at it as any as any scoring play. They're looking at. The score, if it's a catch, they're looking at that. But can they also look at DPI on that? Yeah, that's a good point. There were a lot of people questioning that. So once once the ruling on the field is a touchdown, now it's it's automatically reviewed, and the replay official, the people in New York, can look at all reviewable aspects of that play. And that includes this year, pass interference. So they're going to look at whether Galladay caught the pass. They're also going to look at whether he was interfered with. They could also look at whether he pushed off Mm -hmm. for offensive pass interference. There was contact. I didn't think there was enough. I didn't think it was. What are the words, Travis? What are the, what are the words? Clear and obvious. Clear and obvious that he what? Caught the ball. No, Travis, that he significantly hindered the receiver's ability to catch. Get your head in the game. You didn't watch the tape, did you? But I didn't think it was clear and obvious, but it is something the league will look at. Replay, we'll look at when it goes to review. All right, so then we go a little bit further into the third quarter with about nine minutes, 49 seconds to go. And you have on Johnson, incomplete pass, deep pass near the goal line. Anthony Hitchens on the Chiefs looks like a bang-bang play in real time. Officials don't throw a flag. And then, uh, then we look at the replays, and if you slow it down, it looks like Hitchens got there early. Matt Patricia did not challenge the call on the field. Would have been an interesting decision because I really feel that was one play where in replay, that's a foul. In replay, he's early. There's no question. In real time, that's a bang-bang play, and that's where we're creating a different standard with this rule. On the field in real time, the officials see it. It all happens at the same time. They don't throw the flag. That's the only way they can be consistent. Now we have the ability to slow it down in replay, and we see the contact is early, and then it becomes, was it? Or obvious, significantly hindered, blah, 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 blah. It's a close play. I do think it was pass interference based on the replay standard, but no challenge. Interesting fact about Anthony Hitchens, Travis. Anthony Hitchens used to play for what team? Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys played what team in the 2014 wildcard round? Well, you Lions fans remember. It was a Cowboys win against the Lions. So I didn't ask you who won. I just said who they play. Spoken like a true cowboy fan. Cowboy fans, they don't have a lot of... And in that game, Anthony Hitchens was called for a a foul in that game, in the third quarter of that game. What what was that foul for, Defensive pass interference. Defensive pass interference. Was that that penalty enforced? It was picked up. The flag was was picked picked up. up. So now you have Anthony Hitchens. Now you have Lions fans. And what did this start? Lions fans brought back to... That was where the, the... We hate Dean Blandino. That was when that bandwagon started. So now you have Anthony Mother Effin' Hitchens bringing back bad memories for my Lions people, and now it all comes full circle, okay? Two plays later, okay, two plays later, the Lions, they regroup. 
They're over the missed DPI on Carryon Johnson. They got first and goal. He runs the ball up the middle. He reaches the ball for the goal line. It comes loose. The Chiefs pick it up. No one's really sure what happened. Players are kind of stopping. The officials don't kill the play. And the Chiefs pick it up and go, not not 98, not 99, 100 (laughs) yards for a touchdown return. The officials on the field let it go. What was interesting, Joe, about this play? The crew that, that was working the game was what crew? Same crew from the New Orleans Rams game a couple weeks ago where they pre-blew the whistle. They, they well, Pre-blew. I, <laughs> I, think, I think they could have let that one play out. They pre-blew. Pre-blew. You know what? I'm going to... I'm just telling you, I'm going to pre-blow my whistle. Um, I, I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> yeah. But Walt Anderson was that the referee, the same crew that that blew the play dead, and it was a fumble, but they made an incomplete pass, and that that prevented the Saints from returning for touchdowns. So they did a great job here. They let it play out. A lot of questions on social media about whether this a was it a fumble, and there wasn't anything clear cut. It looked like Johnson was up. The first thing to hit was his helmet. Looked like the ball was just coming loose. But then there was a question as to whether the Chiefs defenders, it was Xavier Williams, 98, and then and then the player that eventually recovered at 21, Brashad Breland, um, were they down? Williams was, was touching the ball, and he was contacted by a Lions player, but he didn't have possession. So you have to have control on the ground and then touched by an opponent to be down. He never had control of the football. It was bouncing around. And then when Breland picked it up, his knee was down. And people asked the question, was he down at that point? Was he giving himself up? Well, no, he's not. It's different than a player who's upright, who gets possession of the ball and then immediately takes a knee and makes no attempt to advance. You're giving yourself up in that situation. It's not a player who is on the ground and making no attempt to advance. If you make no immediate attempt to advance, then the officials will kill the play. You're giving yourself up. This was a player that went to the ground to recover the loose ball was not contacted by an opponent, got up immediately, and returned it. So that was a, a good job letting that go, and uh, and they confirmed that part of it in replay, and they let the entire play stand. In college, obviously, he would have been down. Which they because, got it right, and that's what we want. Exactly, exactly. Well, we, first class, what we do want to see, we want to see Kenny Galladay make a, a better effort at trying to, to tackle the well, guy. Well, I think there was up. some confusion, right. and that's one of those plays where you always teach, and I talk to, I've talked to clubs when I was at the league office, and you teach – play through the whistle, okay? Play until, play through that loose ball, that immediate continuing action, play it out, let the officials come in and stop you. And the officials, although they hesitated, nobody blew a whistle, nobody ruled the play over, and uh, and some players stopped, but that's not on the officials. The players got to play through that action, and, uh, and, you, uh, and you saw what happened. And then... To add to the misery and add to the hate, and, and we're going we're gonna to play a clip for you in a second. Hail Mary, last play of the game. A lot of questions as to whether there was pass interference. And look, again, with this rule, we are highlighting pass interference. And the Hail Mary is, it's, it's not a different standard, it's a different play. It's a jump ball. And when you have a jump ball situation, every player on the field has the same opportunity, the same right to the football. So if there's a push or a grab or a takedown that prevents a player from making a play on the ball, then that is pass interference. It looked like Marvin Jones was contacted by Daniel Sorensen from the Chiefs. The ball is up in the air. 
It happens about the six, five, five, six yard line. Sorensen didn't look like he was playing the ball. Jones did look like he was playing the ball. There was some contact. They both went to the ground. I don't think that, and again, we talk about different standards. There's going to be a standard for the league to stop a play like that and review it, and I don't think that met the standard. It's going to have to be something obvious, a a tackle, a grab and throw down, a clear shove in the back. There definitely was contact. Had it been called on the field, maybe it doesn't get picked up. Maybe it stands, but I just don't think the league is going to wade into that, that water on that play, and 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 unfortunately, it went against the Lions. And again, unfortunately, I was on the game, and I got to explain all this to Lions fans, and that led to what, Joe? Well, I've got a tweet here. Seems like a, a, a bar full of Lion fans. Okay, so you don't have to play it again, Joe. Thanks. <laughs> Who, who's Bleen Dandino? So, completely unnecessary that they would take the time out of they're watching the game and they're all, if you watch the video and, and I'll retweet it and they're in, they're watching the game and they like planned it. And okay, everybody. Now we're going to say F that guy synchronized. and synchronized <laughs> sort of. So they attempted it again, Detroit. I'm going to, I'm going to work my way back into your good graces. I don't know how, I don't know if I have to buy stock in Verner's, but I'm going to try. So, But that game was crazy. The other thing, the last thing on this game I just want to talk about is how they've got to be coaching it. How many times did a Detroit defender punch a loose ball, uh, you know, punch a ball and and cause a fumble in that game? It was amazing. I felt like I was watching an MMA fight. Right? It was at least four times. And, and, And for them to be that accurate and I don't want to, we're going to do MMA. Don't get excited, Joe. We're going to do MMA in the off season. Uh, but it was, it was just something it obviously is being coached and it's a, it's a great, it's a great technique. If you can do it properly, you don't want to punch the guy in the head. So there was a couple hit. times that they hit the guy in the face mask first. Should that be a foul? Well, it's a good question. You know, it's not, it's obviously not an attempt to, to hit the player in the head neck area, but if the official feels like that player is, it's a wind up blow to the head, that certainly would be unnecessary roughness. I think in most of those situations, it was obvious the player was trying to knock the ball loose, but it just it just jumped out because you just saw it so many times in the game, and they were and they and they, and they were successful, and it was uh, and it was something that they did very well during the game. One other thing that happened over the weekend, and we really can't underestimate the importance of this: the the NFLRA, which is the NFL Referees Association, which is the union that represents all NFL game officials ratified the CBA extension with the NFL. So that that deal, the union, just like the players' union, they have a deal with the NFL. That deal was, was scheduled to expire in May of 2020. It was extended to May of 2026. So, And for those of you that remember 2012 and the lockout and the replacement officials, we are... Free of that for another six years. So, <laughs> so that is a very good thing. So just remember, the next good time call. you're watching a game and you're complaining about the officiating, just go watch some tape from 2012, the first three weeks of the year, especially Green Bay. Fail Seattle. Mary. The fail Mary. Very important that the league got it done, and I'm very excited, and congratulations to both sides. So that was KC, Detroit. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk... Montez Perfect and Jonathan Jones. We're going to talk, compare those two plays and why one was an ejection and why one was. 
Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, we're back with good calls. Let's go right back to the NFL. Big news, Oakland Raiders linebacker Vontez Perfect was suspended for the rest of the season for a hit in the game on Sunday against the Colts. And, uh, and let's just talk about, this is a guy obviously with a long history, and he's been suspended before you go back to the 2016, he was suspended for the first three games of that season for a hit in the playoffs against the Steelers. Against actually, it was Antonio Brown that he hit in the head. He was he was suspended five games in 2017 for a hit against the Chiefs, but it was reduced to three on appeal. In 2018, he was fined $112,000 for several plays. Again, against the Steelers, one of those was a, was a hit on Antonio Brown. So this is a guy that, that has racked up over $400,000 worth of fines. He's been suspended multiple times for on-field actions. He was suspended, not that this relates to what happened on Sunday, but he was suspended four games for a violation of the PED policy. So he has a history, and, and the league felt compelled, and, and I think that was the right thing to do when you have that lengthy of a history to suspend him for the rest of the regular season. And this is a guy that we may never see play in the NFL again. And, and, it, and it's certainly 
It's a shame because he's a talented player, but the league is serious about player safety, and, and this is a guy that has crossed the line several times. And you talk about the hit, what happened on Sunday. So Jack Doyle from the Colts catches a pass. He's on the ground. He starts to get up. Perfect. Takes, has a clear path to him, and that's something the league looks at. Runs, lowers his head, clearly lowers his head, hits him with the crown of the helmet in the head. It was penalized on the field for unnecessary roughness. And then and then New York got involved, which they can do for any football or non-football act when there's a flag on the field. New York can eject the player, and, and they they obviously felt it was enough, and, and I would agree with that, and they ejected perfect. And then the, uh, you know, the league obviously took all of that into consideration with the history and made the decision to suspend Vontez for the rest of the 2019 season. A lot of discussion about that play, and it was compared to a hit in the Bills-Patriots game on Josh Allen. Jonathan Jones of the Patriots hit Josh Allen and, uh, and was penalized but not ejected. And a lot of people were comparing the two, and, and there is a difference. If you watch the two plays, Allen, Allen is a runner. He's running downfield. Jones is attempting to tackle him. He turns his body to the side and more leads with the shoulder. There is some helmet-to-helmet contact, and, and, and I do think that they called the foul because they felt Jones was, was lowering his head um, and initiating contact with the crown, but it was more side of the helmet, shoulder contact, and uh, and Allen did get hit in the head. He was injured, left the game, is in concussion protocol now, but did not feel that that hit was was anywhere near what what Burfick did. And what the league looks for in terms of an ejection is does the does the player have a clear path to his opponent? Does he have options? And obviously, Burfick did. He had options. And, and he, he chose to lower his head. He could have led with the shoulder. He could have attempted to get his body, his head off to the side and wrap, but he didn't. And I think the, uh, the hit on Allen was different where, where the defender uh, was more bracing for the hit, turned, attempted to make a legal tackle. Whether you think it's a foul, it's close. I know Coach Belichick said that, that he really didn't think there was anything he needed to talk to the player about because, he you know, in essence, he was saying he thought it was a legal hit. I would not expect... Um, any kind of suspension for for Jonathan Jones and uh, and the league will certainly look at it for potential fine, but uh, that will be up to the league and 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 there was a a pool report and I just want to talk about that process in the in the in the Bills game and so every stadium there there are four basically writers that are designated as pool reporters and and what the pool reporter does is if there's a significant situation involving officiating. A pool reporter can go to the officiating, the official's locker room after the game and get a clarification. And so this is something significant. And so you go through the home PR department, request the pool report, and then any one of or all four of the pool reporters can go to the official's locker room. And if it involves something on the field, they'll talk to the referee. If it involves something in replay, or in this instance, this was a situation where um, the question was, why wasn't Jonathan Jones ejected for the hit on Josh Allen? So when New York potentially gets involved, it would be Senior Vice President of Officiating Al Riveron conducting that pool report. So um, Vic Carucci was the was the pool reporter. He talked to Riveron after the game as to why there was no ejection. 
and Al explained that what the standard is for ejection and that this didn't meet it, that it wasn't egregious. There, there wasn't a situation where the player had a clear path, had options. He turned his body to the side and it, and it was more side of the helmet versus the crown of the helmet. And so that process is in place for every game. And so you don't, you don't make the game officials available to the media. It's not like they, they have a press conference and they can talk to the media after the game, but you can request a pool report and, uh, and that's how that process works. All right. So that's the pool report process. I want to switch gears a little bit. Survivor pools. We have a survivor pool in the studio and on Sunday, Three of us got knocked out of the survivor pool because we all took the Rams, mm. which were a nine-point home and a half. favorite, nine-and-a-half home favorite. And we're going to get a little into sports gaming in a second. Joe's our resident expert, but we all lost. But of the three of us, I'm the only one that's still alive in the pool because what did I do? Somebody. Yeah. I bought somebody else's I, pick. I mean. I purchased. I made a business decision, and I purchased – Luther, who is our resident Browns fan, who made a pretty savvy decision because we're in the pool for 20 bucks. I bought his pick for 120. So Luther walked away with a with a quick hundred dollars in cash, but I get to play and continue in the survivor pool. And Travis was all upset because he didn't think he's like, oh, is that legal? Is that by the rules? And Joe, you I've have never been in a, a pool where you could do that. Joe, Joe brought it up. Last week. Is that legal? To me, it's completely legal. Thank you. You buy a pick, you own it, you own the equity in that pick, you do whatever you want with it. Other and, guys in, in the in the cube were upset about this. I think they, they kind of watched yeah, the whole Pereira thing played cried, out. But Pereira cries and, when it gets too cold. Here's the thing, guys. <laughs> so, he puts his hugs on. Commissioner of our pool, you got to set these rules. But you're a rules expert. I had, I had now, never, I had never heard about buying in for another but, pick. So I thought it was a cool idea. I know some of the other guys didn't like it. But, I mean, it is your pick. You can, I guess exactly. you can do whatever so you want with it. This is what we do on this podcast. We set rules. So so I'm making a decree that in survivor pools, you can sell your pick. And if two people agree, there's no shady business. And that was a straight up, straight up business deal. Perfectly legal. But and should I have gotten a cut of this well, transaction? Well, Dean did, did pay a processing fee. Yes, there should be a pay, processing pay fee. Costs. There should be a processing <laughs> fee. To the league, it should go into the pool, and the 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 buyer of the pick should pay the processing fee. And Which I was and I, I never saw a dime, and I did. Well, if you see a dime, then it becomes. Let's let's wrong transition price. because I want to talk about, and I think this is something this has always been taboo, and we're going to talk about it's not, and I want to make sure we use the right terminology. It's not betting, it's not gambling, it's sports gaming. And this has always been taboo as it pertains to officiating. But I feel like this is important. I think the leagues are starting to deal with it more and more. I think they're opening up some doors that were previously closed because of the legislation now that is allowing states to, to create legislation that will allow sports gaming to be legal in that state. And you're seeing the leagues talking about integrity fees. What does this mean? So I do want to talk about sports gaming. We're going to hit this in future episodes of the podcast. And just to give you an overview of sports gaming and and what this means globally, when you talk about global, the handle, and the handle is the amount of money changing hands, right? This is the amount of money bet on games globally. That handle is three to three and a half trillion dollars. Okay. We're talking big, big, 
big money. It is huge. Okay, what we're talking about. What? Wait, huh? It's what? Huge. Huge. No, no, no. How do you spell that? Huge. H u g e. Wait, what's what's that actor's name from Love Actually? He was the prime minister. What's it? What's that guy's name? I love that movie. It was a good flick. It's great. You, you gotta watch that rom com. It's a Christmas movie. You Grant. No, no, no. You Grant. No, Hugh. No. There's no, no, it's you. And the Texans right? are from? Houston. Okay. Can you say Hugh? I can. Can you say I get, they're Houston? Making, they're making fun of my accent. But can you say Houston? I, it's a Long Island thing. I can say Houston I, if I whisper. Okay. Wait, wait. Houston. Oh, Houston. Wow. <laughs> yes. I right. get it. All right. Okay, well, okay. We'll keep tabs so on three that So well. th- three to three and a half trillion dollars is huge. So <laughs> 70% of that is unregulated. So basically it's offshore. And when you talk about the global handle, 65% of that is bet on soccer. And I think that's important because as we start to legalize, more states come on board. Soccer has had a lot of scandals, betting scandals, whether it's been in Europe or Asia. And that's something the leagues, college conferences are going to have to guard against. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that going forward and what the leagues and conferences do to ensure that players, student athletes, officials don't get compromised. Um, 10% is bet on the NBA. The NBA does better than the NFL globally, okay, in this in this space. The NFL, not particularly big globally, but it is very popular on a per-game basis, right? A per-event basis. Obviously, the Super Bowl is, is something that is heavily bet. When you talk about this country in the United States, you've got $50 billion that's bet on NCAA football and NCAA basketball, and that is definitely something that the conferences in the NCA um, is concerned with because you have student athletes that, that aren't paid. They're not professional athletes that, that you would think would be above, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk my career and my, mm-hmm. my multi-million dollar contract for a couple of thousand dollars on a bet. Yeah. But to a kid in college, that's significant. And we've seen these point shaving scandals and obviously we've seen it in, in the NBA with what happened with the, the Donahue situation um, so leagues are very aware of this, and there are a lot of layers into this. When you talk about the Super Bowl, $3.8 billion in unregulated bets on the Super Bowl in the U.S. alone, and uh, $126 million in regulated bets in, in Nevada. Um, so let's talk a little bit, Joe. Let's break down the NFL season so far from a, from a gaming perspective and, and just kind of where we are. Joe's been in this industry for a long time and, uh, and has some good insight. So, so far it's, it's, it feels pretty normal, pretty business as usual favorites covering 39% of the time dogs, 40%, 46% over, which makes the under 54. The only kind of outlier that stood out to me when I started looking looking these stats up was home favorites are only covering 29% of the time. So if it, I'd, I'd imagine that would correct itself. But if not, guys, away dogs. Take them. Take the points. Well, even on Sunday, I mean, you saw a lot. Of, you saw Tampa. You saw the Raiders. You saw Tennessee. Big day Sunday for Vegas, I think. I think a couple uh, casino bosses are pretty happy. And I think, and again, you might, again, you might ask, well, what does this have to do with officiating and, and rules? This is very, very, this is something the leagues are very concerned about. And there are so many different layers that go into when you get to 
be a college of fo- a football official, basketball official, an NFL, NBA official. You you are basically giving up. You're giving up a lot of your privacy in terms of the leagues go into background checks. They check bank accounts. They check business associates. They go. The NFL actually goes when we when we consider hiring. When I was at the NFL, consider hiring an official. NFL security will go into that official's neighborhood and go interview their neighbors and, and just talk to them. And, and so you are really diving deep into these people's backgrounds. And one of the things we always told our officials is don't advertise that you're, that you're an NFL official. A lot of these officials, they want to, they want to, you know, wear NFL logo, you know, NFL shield gear or have it on their, their travel bag. And what you don't want is somebody seeing that person as an NFL official, somebody that is, you know, an unsavory character to, to put it, you know, politely, and to target those officials. And look, that's what happened with Tim Donahue, and uh, and I think it's something that again, as sports gaming becomes more and more prevalent in this country, the leagues are going to continue to uh, to look at. And so we'll 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 cover that in some future episodes as well. Travis, you're going to have to get rid of that NFL tattoo. If we're going to go to the league with Daniel. So. Yeah, Travis, the, the, sh- go. the shield tattoo across your back, the lower is, back is a shield. little bit. It's, it's got to go. It's a little bit too much. It's, it's a bit much. It you felt know? good at the time. Yeah. And now, yeah, I regret it. It's one of those. I but I mean, laser, I'll get, I'll get it removed. I mean, we're, drunk at the Super Bowl. Oh, I'm oh, in Phoenix. Yeah. It's so we're, cool. We're going to give you one. Go of, to the tattoo shop at 3 a.m. One of those. Nice job, Travis. All right, we're going to, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to go. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. 
the ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, we're back on Good Calls. And it's time for Inside the Brain of Blandino. So just if you Inside haven't heard the this, brain of if you haven't listened before, I like to just, I used to do stand-up comedy and I like to take notes in my phone whenever something strikes me as funny or interesting. And so I have this really long list of notes in my phone and I sent it to Joe and Travis and and one of Joe's new pastimes is just reading it and in the comfort of his own home by himself. And he finds Anti-reading. it very funny. So what we decided to do, he's just going to scroll down, pick one, and we're going to talk about it. So go ahead, Joe. All right, here we go. Ancestry.com. Always positive. Ooh, okay, okay. So, all right, Ancestry.com. So you've got... Right, you got like the whole twenty three and Me thing, which is is like DNA, and it tells you more like, kind of like ethnicity and that right. kind of thing. I'm eighty three percent Italian, whatever. But but ancestry dot com goes more into like who your ancestors were, and I watch the commercials, and it's always positive. It's like I did ancestry dot com, and I didn't know, but my great 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 grandfather was Thomas Jefferson's, you know, best friend, and actually was a big part of writing the Declaration of Independence, you know, stuff like that. You never hear the one that isn't positive, where it's like my, <laughs> my great, great, great uncle was, was Santa Fe's most infamous pedophile. Like, it's not, <laughs> never, you never see that, the, the face that they're just like, I really wish. Because you know there's people that do that, and they really wish they never went on Ancestry.com yeah. because you realize that you you basically come from, you know, criminals <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And, and that's what, that's what that was. Well, remember that, remember Hitch, he took her and to the Island in New York and he, she was like related to a butcher. Or a yeah. Or something yeah, like that. exactly. So that's ancestry.com. This is why I don't do those. That's why I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to do any okay, of it. Just I don't want to know. I'm good with that. I don't want to know. Scandinavian, no one cares. I don't go to the doctor. I don't want to know anything. I don't want to know anything <laughs> bad. Don't give me any bad right. news. I'm good. Um, DM, yeah. The DM of the week. I think this is something I get a lot of. If you go on my Twitter page, <laughs> there's a lot of really funny people out there. A there's lot of mad there's also some really angry people out there that I feel like need a better outlet than you know posting on my Twitter page. But I I get a lot of DMs, and I, I think I'm going to start. And I did it on Sunday, and it got some positive reviews. And I think I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to start posting screenshots of funny DMs. And so I got a DM from this guy, um, Mike, Mike 574-12909. Okay. And Mike DM'd me, um, you are parents had to have drop you on your head multiple times <laughs> as a baby. Got a direct now, quote there. That is Travis. You're, I'm reading this off my phone. It's I'm hard not to making read that when up. There's such poor grammar. I'm not making it up. And, and I didn't, I didn't, respond to Mike. I just took a screenshot, but I just, I'm the one that got dropped on my head. I, I don't know. So then, so, so then I get a second DM where this is from Ike and this is Isaac Anderson 08. And this was two DMs, not one DM. This is 
two separate two separate DMs. DMs. The first one was penis send send <laughs> thought about it and then wiener sent. <laughs> you know what? That the was penis from wasn't height. enough. Penis wasn't enough. He, and, and I appreciate. Look, I appreciate the PG language because right. I have kids, but. I felt strongly enough that penis didn't get his message across and he had to double down. (laughs) Can you tell us the the time difference between it wasn't, there wasn't that big a, it it was, it was pretty much within the same minute. Okay. They were both at four 33 PM on Sunday, but um, they were definitely separate thoughts. He had said, and I was like, you know what? They were definitely, I didn't give him enough. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to call me the penis wiener. He yeah. wanted the penis. Yeah, you think that that's bad, Blandino? <laughs> wiener. wiener. So that, those are the DMs of the week. All right. So send me your DMs. The dumber the better. Maybe I'll retweet it. Maybe I'll post a screenshot. Maybe we'll talk about it next week on the show. Or maybe we'll just get laughs out of it. We'll, get, we'll definitely get laughs out of it, out of it. But I appreciate all. Hey, listen. I appreciate all the Twitter interaction, good, bad, or otherwise. And, uh, and we always have fun with it. This has been Good Calls with Dean Blandino. Please follow me on Twitter, at Dean Blandino. On Instagram, at Dean.Blandino. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter, at Rules Podcast. And be sure to rate our podcast on the iHeartRadio app and on Apple Podcasts. Good Calls with Dean Blandino is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.